bring in the new year, 2021, one might think every new year is the same as we bring in our 12 o'clock a.m. We always say happy new year, but there's something very interesting and unique about 2021 that uh, really as everyone saying the same thing, wanting it to be much different than any other New Year, in that we really want it to be much different than any other New Year. Many say they want to forget 2020 because it was so complex, difficult, burdensome. burdensome in such a way that it made so many people suffer and it was heart-wrenching to so many because of what many refer to as the pandemic however difficult also because so many layers upon layers of complexities which made people wonder how they would make it through the year because of so much that was occurring. Yet, for everyone who was and is here on this very moment, 2021, in the wee moments of the morning, it is a most interesting thing to wonder what will 2021 bring upon us all? Yet most simply saying that everyone wants something anew, something different that is not the same as what 2020 had to offer. Something that was not, is not, and will not be as much the kind of suffering that 2020 brought upon. And moreover, the kind of year that truly does ensue the kind of happiness that the people at Times Square are truly hoping for, in particular the individuals that bring forth the planning of what the ball itself symbolizes when it is brought down at 12 a.m. And what that symbolizes every year in beginning a new year. For 2020, the year was to symbolize serenity. 2021, the year is meant to symbolize 
happiness. And so let's all truly think about how that happiness can be brought upon for so many more people in such a way then it has been in the previous year. And as we do, what are the ways that one can be more melodious, more forthright, more contemplative. In a year that will continue to require much of us, because we truly cannot forget the responsibilities that were required of us in the previous year, as we will continue to need to be as responsible as we were in the previous year. Nonetheless, the happiness to renewing a sense of calm, steadfast understanding of we are as responsible individuals, community members, world members, and contributors to a world economy. For it is never to be misunderstood that though we may have our immediate responsibilities, we are part of a bigger community that often reminds us how important we are. On a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly, and on a yearly basis. In such a way that we too 
Conscientious participants in the future, the present, in the past as it was as it will be. Because of the ones that were before, will be, and once were. And you're back. Thank you so much for staying tuned to the Dew Point Report. And the reason being that just a few days ago, we were all so overjoyed to welcome in 2021. Imagining for a moment that we would simply see the events of 2020 in the rearview mirror. And that if it was still to be a difficult year, 2021, that perhaps the tribulations would remain in the passenger seat not in the driver's seat, and in such control of so many fates of so many people as it had been in 2020. And so with this true optimism, many, many set out to have celebrations that were quite scaled back to what previous years had been. And though it was a successful series of evening events that were socially distanced and very much aware of what the entire world's going through, not only in each community, towns, cities, metropolitan areas, all recognizing that in many, many instances, not everyone was getting together in the same way as people had in previous years. And so the idea that one would have to be truly aware to celebrate differently. Everything from New Year's celebrations to after New Year's celebrations were rethought and rethought. And redone in such a way that it was accommodating to the circumstances of the situation and of the present day experience. Yet, because many people planned accordingly, there were many who worried about the fact that there would also be many who decided they were just going to continue their festivities. And therein lies a most challenging complex dilemma. That while there will always be people who worry about getting the information to 
individuals so that decisions can be made accordingly, there also are always going to be people who decide they will still do what they want to do. But let's not think about that in the way of passing judgment on people who make decisions on what information they receive. I say that because the decisions that people make do have consequences, including the decisions of people to share information. And that is truly seen in the burden that is noticed by so many of the individuals that have day in and day out repeated the same information, the same concerns, the same precautionary warnings of wearing a mask, face mask, of washing one's hands for a minimum of 20 seconds with soap and water. And if no soap and water was available, then antibacterial hand sanitizer would be appropriate. And then, of course, the social distancing concept of staying clear of others when in public at least six feet apart. So in theory, that works and that does help dramatically reduce the amount of COVID-19 cases. Certainly it has been proven. There are studies that have already been written that show that a face mask truly does make a difference. Now, in the instance that we are speaking of now, we do have vaccines in the progress of being given, in the process of being given to people, not only in the United States, but in many countries throughout the world. And we now look to the next question, which is, how soon does one not have to wear a mask after having received the vaccine? And though we are not there yet, we may be there eventually, but at this point, we still are not in the point of throwing caution to the wind and ignoring all those precautionary comments from the professionals. The reason being that one can see what has happened from the fact that people did get together over the holidays. There had been a surge that occurred after Thanksgiving, which created a large amount of COVID-19 cases. And then people gathered over Christmas, and there was another surge of people seeking attention in hospitals, and that created another increase in cases. And additionally, one can see the effects of people having continued to gather. Now, there are instances where there are other reasons why people have become ill and not having to do with them partying or gathering together. So again, my thoughts are not in a sense of passing judgment by any means. It's just to remind us that it really is important to be cautionary in the way that we 
approached other individuals because one never knows what kind of burden another person is carrying at any given moment in time. And it is so clear, it is so apparent that this pandemic has affected so many people in so many ways. Not only has it made people feel a sense of what will happen if this occurs much closer to home, but also the question of what to do now for the individuals where it has happened extremely close to home, and the question of how to grieve in a way that allows one to continue to live a fruitful life, yet recognizing that the challenges faced were critical, were serious, and need their own level of attention. But at the same time, noticing that there are so many people affected, that it is about establishing a sense of sensitivity about the situation. And interestingly enough, it already is many days into the new year, such that with today being January 9th, going into January 10th, we really think about several instances. Most years, we would still be talking about New Year's resolutions. We would still be talking about how well we're doing with the New Year plans and how we're starting all these great new projects. And the conversation seems to flow steadily towards the same instance of COVID-19. And there is a sense of exhaustion, a sense of fatigue, mental fatigue over the same conversation and the repetition of that same conversation over what has now been more than a year. But it often becomes overwhelming for many, especially because of so many cases that have occurred, particularly with now we are seeing more loss than one can fathom, for example, in one day, just a couple days ago, a few days ago, there were 4,000 people lost to COVID. And that that's one day. We had not ever been at that amount of loss in one day. And so a lot of people have begun to tune out the news, have begun to tune out what they don't want to hear because of the sense that it will just make them so sad. But the important thing to recognize is this. We have to remain grounded in the knowledge of what is occurring, but also recognizing that Though it may seem perplexing, and to many it may seem an overwhelming 
sense of what is happening with the world that used to be so different just 24 months ago. In order to grapple accordingly with the changes that the world has gone through, economically, socially, and in so many other ways, we have to be able to find positive methods of instances where the mind will stay whole. Meaning, if there have been historically people that one has been able to speak to, that you've been able to stay grounded with, meaning been able to find a sense of solace, a sense of depth of understanding, someone who is easy to speak to and you trust their opinion, then you need to be grounded. And what I mean by that is giving them a call, writing them a letter, sending them an email. And it is important because while not everyone is going to be willing to send a letter to make a phone call, it is in that moment that one decides, am I going to connect with that person I haven't spoken to in, oh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years? But I know that if I start that conversation, it will pick up right where it left off, and it's going to be so important to be able to Settle the mind in such a way that instead of letting a lot of things take up space in the mind, that without having a conversation about it, they just circle about as if never ever processed it as a clear thought. Once having that clear conversation with someone who is able to help process that conversation, uh, truly a person does find that uh, that sense of burden of what all is going on in the world does change. And that instead of feeling as if they're, you are the only one carrying this burden, that the news or radio or perhaps a magazine or something that you become aware of is suddenly instead of feeling surrounded by all this energy that can be seemingly consuming, emotionally draining, if you have found that appropriate person to be able to process all of that consuming, then it becomes less of an individual burden and more of a personal understanding of the sense of responsibility of how then you can handle the not only information, but the responsibility of how to be an individual during this time of global concern.
because it isn't just one person affected. It isn't just one community affected. It isn't just one country affected. It is the world that is truly concerned with what is going on. And because it is the world in its entirety that is grappling with what is going on, this is why differences of opinion on how to be able to process what is occurring. When, when a person finds the appropriate individual or individuals, sometimes they are support groups, to be able to process what is occurring, it, it can help tremendously. And after all, the year has just begun. So do not let the difficulties of what last year was slow with its immensity into this year. And I'll explain why. I was on the phone the other day for what was a seemingly simple question. And I won't go into details to what the question was. But it really was just to request something very simple. And the person said, Oh, no, we're not providing that at this time. And I said, oh, why? Because I thought perhaps it was budget cuts or something. And the person said, no, well, it's the state of the world. And I thought, well, I mean, we all, everybody, we all feel the state of the world. But I have not heard a perfect stranger say, it's the state of the world. That's the reason that we're not providing that. And it was so burdensome to hear that. Yet at the same time, it was important to hear it because that is what I'm referring to, that reminder that it isn't just one person. It is many people, it is many cities, many countries, many, it is the world that is facing this. And so when that person said it, they may not have meant to say it in such a way for it to be heard that way on the other end of the phone. But that is really what it reminded me of, the fact that truly this pandemic has affected people in different ways and organizations because, of course, the concern that many have had about the effect economic shutdowns have had, stay-at-home orders have had on so many small businesses, has truly made it difficult for many to bounce back. And that can be seen in when one takes an exercise stroll and all of a sudden you see stores closed, but not just we'll be back in a few hours kind of closed, but it says no longer in business. And that gives you that sense of understanding that there is an impact felt in the communities and Small businesses make up a large portion of what economic stability really is. Now, large corporations 
also are important because they they help flow a certain sense of traffic for infrastructure and large employment of many employees and there is a strength about large corporations that is also to be respected do not get me wrong but there is also a certain level of respect that is owed to all the small business owners in communities near and far that day in and day out get up early and stay at work late and work hours that they do not plan on working in order to ensure that their programs are available, their services are available, that their customers are happy. And it all ends up seeming so seeming seemingly easy and most people don't even know this. That anything is wrong. And the only time somebody notices is when the doors are closed. Or when there are fewer people in the store. And there are fewer employees in the store. And or phones don't get answered. And then people start complaining. Well, why didn't my call get answered? But what people don't realize is when economic times are tough, it affects the people who are trying to keep the doors open as well. And this is why the sense of symbiotic respect is essential in times as these. Because the frustration levels can easily be reached when stress is at an all-time level. But finding the moment of solace to be able to appreciate what is functioning and strengthening that, and then also seeking ways to bring back programs that were working and that were effective, and for people who want to stay in their particular industries to be able to encourage them to return. Because clearly, there will be people who decide a different industry is better for them. And once they decide that, they will find a way to develop new skill sets. And so then the other ways in which communities and cities, metropolitan areas, etc., can help is by helping these individuals and or companies connect the individuals to the new skill sets. Because we have seen that before, where um, there are large shifts and changes in labor market needs, and the need becomes evident that skill set development through training is a huge plus. But how to connect the employees with that training so that they can get to that next industry of choice, the industry that's out there that's in demand, 
that there is a need for. That is critical. Not that that's easy for everyone. Some people will embark on new skill sets that require a one to two hour class. Others will embark on a one to two year program. And others will embark on a full new career. And that is, I think, and I believe, and I understand fully, what we will see in this next year and two years, the changes in the economy. We are going to see individuals that have entered new job markets that are in demand, individuals that have transitioned from other job markets into new job markets, and individuals that are creating new job markets that are in demand. And it's fascinating times, even though they are some of the most difficult But even with that said, there are people being left behind in these economies, and let's not forget about that. I'll return in a moment because I want you to think about, in such difficult times, who would be left behind and why? I'll be right back. Yes, and welcome back. The previous segment I had named This Year is Off to a Running Start. But truly, we need to ask ourselves, in what direction? Is it a direction that is constructive or is it destructive? Is it dismissive, or is it inclusive? Is it a direction that really listens? Is it a direction which inhibits the ability of others to participate? And of course, as I have been speaking of, who has been left behind was the biggest question that I wanted you to ponder. Now, I know you were thinking, she'll be right back in about five minutes. But instead, I gave you an entire day to think about that. I wanted you to... do what people do, whether they meditate, hesitate, legislate, or somehow let it register in the mind, how does one leave people behind? How could a country leave people behind? 
when it truly should not be. even possible to leave people behind. And so, not because you want to leave people behind in the process, but because you want to look at how to not leave people behind is why you want to think about this. And I began to think, well, should I return to the podcast for a brief moment and think about what those... situations are where people get left behind or let it really resonate a little longer and I let it resonate a little longer for that instance that you might really think a little further deep into the crevices of the mind why it is so important not to leave people in a process that is so important. So, what are the reasons upon which people get left behind when there are processes where people should not be left behind? I am surprised. No one knocked on my door. No one rang the phone, and no one showed up in front of my room to say, Hey, I was listening to what you were saying, and it left me thinking, and I have a question. Because I really thought that for an instance... This truly was the conversation that would have left somebody wanting to have the depth of conversation that would want a little more understanding. And No, no one was there. No one wanted to know what is truly going on. But I will tell you this. It does resonate in the mind. In less than 24 hours, Congress will be taking up The conversation of, should they vote on further articles of impeachment? Now, some of you are probably wondering, there are less than... Twenty-five days until the end of the current presidency. Why would they be discussing it now? The discussion is not one 
for simple soliloquies. No, it is one of depth of need and serious action because of what happened last Wednesday at the state capitol. Uh, excuse me, not the state capitol, the national capitol. At the U.S. Capitol last Wednesday, people decided that they would make their way there and enter the Capitol uninvited. Now, it is the people's house. I understand that. But they broke the windows, they entered the building in such a way that it violated so many procedures and laws. And they did so in a way that they wanted the attention to their... ways of life, which are not attuned with the way democracy is in this country. And at the particular moment upon which they stormed the Senate chambers, a procedure was occurring which is Customary upon every peaceful transfer of power from one presidency to another when there are elections that are about to be certified, the Electoral College was about to be certified. Thus, they thought that they could get their attention set on them and disrupt the business of the Senate. Sadly, they did disrupt the business of the Senate. They disrupted, but also sadly... Six people lost their lives. What they did not accomplish was destroying the fabric, which is the foundational existence of the American democracy. They shook it, but for a moment, but they did not destroy it. And soon, immediately soon, immediately, they trained professionals at the U.S. Capitol, secured the building, 
ensured that leadership was safe and secure. And then, by that evening and night and through the night and by the wee hours of the morning, the sessions had resumed that had been disrupted previously that afternoon. As the sessions resumed and business continued in a true democratic fashion, one could understand and truly, clearly bear to mind that a democracy can be disrupted, but it cannot be destroyed as easily as those individuals thought it could. And so the uh, business of certifying the Electoral College was concluded. We do have certification of who will be our next president. But it is a sad, sad thing to say that what those individuals were trying to bring attention to themselves with those behaviors, the violence upon which they brought to the Senate chamber resulted in, as I mentioned previously, Six fatalities. And so why am I talking about that if I began talking about how Congress will be discussing once again impeachment of President Trump when he was previously up for impeachment earlier in his presidency. And the conversation before the Senate about impeachment failed upon the vote. This time, they are discussing it in the sense that because he himself was bringing the conversation of there should be people gathering in protest at the very location where there were people gathering in protest. It in and of itself was a creation of the event upon which their, the events resulted. And they want to, to the depth, and this is why over the weekend and yesterday, the articles were drawn up and they will be discussed and voted upon 
the next few days. How the 25th Amendment applies in these particular circumstances has perhaps he is not well enough to carry out the rest of this presidency. Upon which there you have heard some of my previous podcast segments where I have discussed the... Comparison of would it have been sensical to prosecute versus to impeach for the good of the presidency or for the good of the American people? I'll let you go back to those segments and hear them out for yourself, because those were months ago. But I really want you to ponder, because I have pondered upon sadness over months. Would we have seen the sadness we have seen had... the original articles of impeachment gone through. Without the partisanship and had there been understanding of what kind of seriousness was happening that was not focused on leadership that was looking at leading the country as a whole. There were many signs for years that people were not well. In many ways. But at what expense was that ignored? At whose expense? That is what is saddening. And there was one person that was interviewed by the press who answered himself saying he was there for the purpose of what he called the Insurrection Act. 
he wanted to be there for that very reason. And so if he found himself wanting to be in that particular instance, motivated by that, who motivated him is the biggest question to arrive at that moment. Well, to this particular instance, there have been over a thousand people arrested for having been there and taken upon those actions. So it wasn't something that was neither frivolous nor to be ignored, because it was horrible to see what was an effort to destroy the majesty of a building that stands for a democratic process that even leaders across the world were not willing to stand for. And I, for one, as a participant in this democratic process, would not stand for it either because I and do still respect this democracy and believe that it exists for the very reason that it is a democratic process and it has democratic principles which are to be respected. And that includes for every state that calls itself a sanctuary state. No, yes, 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 no, yes, yes. There may be those that say no. Not all laws apply in sanctuary states, but I disagree, and that's why I say no, yes, no, yes. Because there are many contradictions that people makes people merrily walk about thinking the laws don't apply to them if they live in a sanctuary state, because that's where they go to find sanctuary. But you see, there's a difference between wanting to find sanctuary for the sake of wanting to be part of the democratic process and wanting to find sanctuary for the sake of wanting to be lawless. One should not confuse the two. To be part of a democratic process is a responsibility. And even in a sanctuary state or a sanctuary county or a sanctuary jurisdiction, one must still follow the laws because, you see, even if you feel that you have some kind of protections under sanctuary laws, eventually you're going to have the democratic process to respond to. And you will have had to look back and see, were you truthful during the time that you stayed in those lands? And did you follow 
the guidelines as respectfully as possible. Because one does not live lawlessly in this world. There are laws to follow. And this is why we are guided by principles of responsibility. all that to say that we have to really consider the following democracies and yes it is sad and I'll say it they may be messy But they are often going through important processes in order to continue to flow in a sense of fluidity that allows them to continue on for next generations. And that doesn't mean that people cannot participate in democracies, but it certainly does mean that people cannot disregard the importance of the democracies themselves. And it also doesn't mean that people can disregard the people who protect the democracies as well. And so I think that last week, as horrendous as it may have been for our American democracy, this week will be a testament to how resilient it truly is. How it will bring to question what will occur with the leadership that may well have called to presence the very people that tried to destroy it at a very specific moment that was meant to be part of a pristine Part of the democratic process. But one will see later in the week. And so I end this segment by asking you to think about how you will participate this week in the democratic process. Because I have had conversations with people over the year, over the last year, of what it means to live in an American democracy, as opposed to uh, what other people consider living in a different democracy. Um, what I mean by that is, other people have described it to me how they have lived in other democracies. And I have explained what it means to me to live in an American democracy. 
And this has been an interesting, eye-opening experience to be able to say, this American democracy is what I value. And I value what you bring to America with your experiences. And I have spoken to other people. But understanding that we may mean two different things by the word democracy. And so this week I asked you, what does it mean to you to live in an American democracy? And of course, you know, I do often speak of very difficult subjects, but what you just heard was my stomach growling. And so to give some levity to this conversation, I will tell you, <laughs> I have not had breakfast yet. <clears throat> so what am I about to have for breakfast? All right, I will tell you. I'm about to have my cup of Folgers coffee with some homemade pancakes with some chopped almonds mm -hmm. and yes I'm going to drizzle a little bit of honey on there and I'll make some creme fraiche to go with it so that's the levity of the morning, is you had an opportunity to hear my growling stomach, and now I'm going to enjoy my breakfast. So if you've had a laugh from that, I hope you did. And I'm going to leave you now so I can go prepare my wonderful cup of Folgers coffee.